Good evening. Merry Christmas. My name is Craig Jarvis. I'm the lead pastor at Village Church East. We're joining you, Alliance, tonight, which is a really big privilege for us. So thank you for welcoming us in. As part of the family, we're excited to be able to share this very special evening with you uh, this evening. And thank you to our band, wonderful songs. I never heard that last song, and I, I think it's uh, quickly going to my top ten favorite. That's a, That was a good song. Not just because my daughter sang it, but because <laughs> it's a great song. How many of you love flashlights? What? You don't like flashlights? Don't, there's got to be one or two guys that like flashlights in this congregation. So I have this little one here now. I had the picture of one of the world's most bright, brightest, world's brightest, uh, however you say that in the English language, brightest flashlights that there's ever been. This is not it, but uh, this, is, this is a wonderful, bright flashlight. Am I blinding all of you? Yeah, now you know how I feel standing up here. But this is a, uh, a nice little flashlight, fits in your pocket. Flashlights are wonderful things, don't you think? They actually, you could take them around with you and shine them in the dark when you can't see what's in front of you. You can find your dog as it wanders through the neighborhood and you, let, you left the gate open in your backyard. Flashlights are great things. Flashlights actually um, are uh, very popular thing for Christmas gifts these days. And you might as little keychains key if you've got kids that are in college and especially if they're girls you want to have that flashlight. Flashlight right there, I know. The world's most, most the brightest flashlight, now get this, I looked this up so I'm, I'm sure it was on uh, uh, the Google machine so it can't possibly be wrong. The world's most powerful flashlight shines a light that's over 4,000 feet. It has 100,000, this is a flashlight you hold in your hand now. It has 100,000 lumens, and it is 50 times more powerful than the headlights of your car. And it can be seen by 35,000 feet. I did not know that. See, guys like flashlights, yeah. <laughs> the only thing with flashlights is I always forget one when I need it. I don't know about you. So the one thing that I'm really glad is they have flashlights now on your phones, that's pretty cool, huh? Whoever came up with that idea, and we think to ourselves, well, they've always been on your phones. You'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. Do you know what year they added a flashlight as a part of your phone? I know everybody should be thinking, like, anyone that's on the mechanical engineering side of these phones would think, put a flashlight on these phones when we first gave them out to people, but it wasn't until 2013 that they started including flashlights on phones. For some of us, that was just yesterday. But for, uh, for a lot of us, it, uh, it was seven long years ago. Being scared of the dark is a normal thing for most people. When you're younger, of course, it's very normal. And as you grow older, supposedly you grow out of these things a little bit more. It might shock you to know that it is estimated 13% of the American population are terrified of the dark. 13%, that's kind of high. Now, when I say terrified, I really mean not just scared of the dark, but terrified of it. There's actually a phobia called scotophobia, if I'm saying that wrong, I'm sure you'll correct me after this, afterwards, or nyctophobia, which is another word for it, but this is fear of the dark. Now, a phobia is different from a normal fear in that a phobia, your chest tightens and you're, you're, you sweat a little bit and you, you have maybe some hard time breathing. A phobia is a little different than just being scared of the dark. Most of us are just like a little nervous about being in the dark, that's normal. But it's said that up to 13% of the American population actually has a phobia of the dark. What is it about the dark that concerns us? Why are we scared of the dark? Is it just that we've watched one too many horror movies? That probably doesn't help. Why are we scared of the dark? 
We're scared of the dark because we're uncertain of what's out there. We're uncertain of being uncertain. We don't know what lies in the dark. People who believe in, in the evolution theory, they say that this kind of grew with us when there were predators out in the dark and we were living in the caves. And for those of you that, uh, that believe in creation, uh, you will know that uh, God created us as human beings. And, and so I, I'm not sure we evolved into uh, or out of, of this kind of phobia, but this is a very natural thing that exists from human being to human being because when we see the dark, we don't know what's out there. We don't know what's coming. When you have a flashlight, you can light it up and you can, you can shine around you and you can, you can even get people on your six and they can shine behind and you can, you, can, you can get a pretty good idea of what's around. We can't discern what's happening around us. We can't control something we cannot see. It's the lack of control that we don't know what's coming at us. We, we can't prepare for what might leap out of us when we're not ready. Listen, I've pretty much described life at this point. How many of you have had a week where everything went exactly as planned? <laughs> no, that's, that's a safe question to ask at Christmas time because nobody's schedule works out properly at Christmas time. It's the fear of what we cannot see. It's the fear of what we cannot control. It's the fear of what we cannot plan for. This is the power of the dark. When Jesus came to the earth, his birth was described as a powerful beam of light in many different passages. And I don't think that's a mistake. Here's how Jesus himself said this concept. In John 8, 12, Jesus again spoke to them and said, I am the, you want to say this with me, church? It's a great one. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is describing that he is giving his followers, those who follow him, the ability to have a confidence in the dark that we all exist in. And some of us fear more than others. Jesus knows the darkness that prevails on this earth. We're impacted with it every day. Sometimes it's things we can't see that leap out of us, but Jesus was meant to be the light for those who were tired of the dark. And I don't know about you, but I find myself getting older and either I'm becoming like my parents or what I'm perceiving is actually true. But I'm finding as if as I get older, the world seems a lot darker. I don't mean to bring your Christmas season down to a real bummer level here. I don't mean to do that. But I do mean to say that there's not a mistake in scripture when Jesus talks about being light in the world. Jesus was meant to be a light for those who were tired of the dark. In fact, there is a prophecy about Jesus that was written 700 years before he was born that talks about him being the light that we have waited for. It's found in Isaiah 9 and verse 2, and you probably are familiar with this, this passage because we say it a lot at Christmas time. Isaiah 9 2 says, The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Now at the time this was written, in Isaiah, Israel was in captivity. The Jewish people were actually in captivity in Babylon. And Babylon was conquered by another nation and they're still in captivity and they can't get out of captivity. And there was no light for them. It was always dark. It was dark all the time. 
Inwardly, they had no hope for the future. They didn't know what was coming at them. They were scared of the unknown. And there was no light in their lives at all. It was just a dark world in which they lived. So God gives them a promise of the light to come. That Isaiah 9 passage is a powerful one because it starts us thinking about a light that is coming into our darkness. And you need to understand, God's promise of a light came 700 years before Jesus was even born. In fact, it was a promise made before Bethlehem was ever a city or a village. In Isaiah 9, this promise is given that Jesus would be this light that would come into this world, and this prophecy was given in Isaiah 9 in chapter 6. If you didn't catch it yet, just six verses later it says, For us, unto us a child is born. Now, does it seem a little familiar? Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A promise of light to come. A promise of of a future that they could hold on to. A promise that the light was going to be dispelled eventually, but they had to wait 700 years. That's a long time, isn't it? I wrote a check the other day. I wrote 2001. I know. I, wrote, I was going, what in the world, 2001? And I look back on it, 2001 was a lifetime ago, wasn't it? 700 years. This group of people is waiting for this promise to come true. And you know what happens when people wait so long? I bet you can guess. Some people get so tired of waiting that they abandoned the whole process. And in Isaiah 9, it's no different. Their weariness of waiting for the 700 years, they resorted to no longer looking to God for promises of hope. Now they look to humankind. They, they, they looked at God and they said, it's been too long. It's so, this is so long. And they didn't even know it was going to be a 700-year cutoff period. It was just going on and on and on and on. So instead of looking to God, they looked to humankind. They turned their eyes upward and they turned them downward toward a hope they could find in humanity. And you know what happened then? They just got more depressed because humanity had nothing to offer. Nothing but greedy people taking advantage of the weak, rich getting richer, poor getting poorer, sickness and death all around them. They found more and more instances of activities that went on in the dark and every time they heard it, they shocked them. It's like when we turn on the TV and we hear the, the neighbor living next to the person that has done horrific things. And the neighbors interview and they say, well, you're his neighbor for 20 years. What did you do about it? He goes, he seemed like a normal person to me. And then what was done in the dark is exposed and it shocks everyone. People begin to fear for their well-being and for their future and fear replaces hope for them. In fact, the Bible tells us how they felt. Just one chapter earlier, Isaiah 8, 21, they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they're hungry, they will be enraged and they will speak contemptuously against the king and their God. And they turn their faces upward. But then they'll look down. They will look toward the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, darkness. And the gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick Darkness. Ever wonder why we describe darkness as something that's thick? It's like those dreams you have when you're running through the muck and you can't get any further. The monster's gaining on you. 
and you're trying to run and you can't run. Thick, dark, darkness you can almost taste. When there's no light, the darkness seems even greater. That's why Christmas Eve is so special. Because we're not waiting any longer. We're not looking at 700 years in front of us. In fact, we're looking at 2,000 years behind us. We are told that Jesus was the light that came into this world. And every time the gospel writes, and Jesus himself talked about himself, he was saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the, I'm here. Ta-da, I'm here. I've arrived. Your wait is over. In fact, John tells us this same language when he begins his gospel. And he says in John 1:4, in Jesus, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't that great? Jesus is light for a world that is continually dark. Matthew tells us about the birth of Jesus, and he writes familiar words, hopeful words, when he includes in his gospel at the very beginning, after he gives us the account of Jesus' birth. He moves on into Matthew 4, verse 16, and he says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Now, do those words sound familiar at all? He's quoting Isaiah. The people who dwell in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The light has come into the world. Jesus is, do you ever wonder why we love Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Shadow, death, dark. Thou art with me. When Jesus was born, his name was intentionally called Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? Oh, you've been to the Christmas pageants I've been to. Good. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. It's no mistake that Jesus Christ was called Emmanuel because he is the light that God gave to this world. And for those who know Jesus Christ, there's light in the darkness. Do you know what that means? There's peace in turmoil. There's hope in the brokenness. There's joy in the pain and the suffering. That's why Jesus constantly says, not as the world gives to you, but my peace I give to you. This is a supernatural thing. This is a light meant to shine in the dark. This is not a peace you look for in the darkness. This is a peace that that brings light to the darkness. This is why when I do services and and funerals for for believers whose loved ones have gone on and their body is laying in front of me and they 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 they're laughing and they're and they're eating in the lunchroom and they're and they're sharing stories of joy and hope because they don't look at this person as gone. They look at this person and as living with Christ. We don't say goodbye. We say, see you in a while. This is a light brought to our darkness. Death was never meant to win. And for those who follow Jesus Christ, it doesn't. You should know one thing. When Jesus came into the dark, he experienced it just like you. He may have been light for the darkness, but he experienced the pain and the suffering and the brokenness of this world just like you do just like I do. That's why in Matthew 4, Matthew chooses to quote Isaiah as one of the darkest times in in Jesus' life. 
in Matthew where, 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 where he pulls on this, this promise from Isaiah 9 and he pulls it over and he says, this is Jesus. He is the light. Right before Matthew writes that, do you know what Jesus went through? He did battle in the, in the desert with Satan. We call it the temptations in the wilderness. And you know what happened right after he did battle with the devil in the wilderness? As if that wasn't enough. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm tempted. I'm not sure the devil has actually come against me. Jesus is doing face-to-face with the devil. That's got to be exhausting. Plus, 40 days of no food has to play a part. He deals with this temptation in the wilderness. Do you know what happens right after that? Matthew tells us. His disciples came to Jesus and they said, we got bad news, man. Jesus said, what happened? John's been arrested. John, perhaps your best friend you grew up with, he's in prison. And he probably is not coming out. And right after that, Matthew writes to us and says, this passage from Isaiah, a light still lives in the dark. Christmas Eve is our reminder that darkness never wins. That's why I take you to our main passage, which is Luke 2, verse 8. And I want you to see it in a little different way tonight. Maybe that you haven't noticed before. But in Luke 2, and verse 8, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock. Can you finish it? Do you think it was a mistake? It was at night. They're watching the flock day and night. They're just trying to make a living. But it wasn't until it was pitch black that the angels appeared to the shepherds. I think it, was a, it wasn't a mistake that the, the angels come to these shepherds. They're people with legal problems. They probably have their convicts that have trying to make it through life, trying to make a, a living. They've probably made bad choices in life, maybe been victims of lives. But these are not people that have it all together. These are people that struggle to get by day by day. They're hired by people to watch the flock because nobody else is going to do it. Who's going to watch the sheep in the field? We can't even get people to work at McDonald's. Who's going to do that job? That's it. These guys are just trying to make it through life. And as they watched over their flocks by night, this is when the angels appeared to them. These are people lost in the darkness of life, victims of this darkness, just like our world is full of today. And it was to these people that happened, verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were fear filled with great fear. Fear was their go-to scenario, wouldn't it be for you? I mean, it's the middle of the night, it is as dark as can be, an angel appears in the sky and everything gets lit up. Now that normally should be a relief, right? There's light so we can see the wolves and the bears and stuff around that are trying to take out the, the sheep. But to them, it was like, it was a shock. Middle of the night, and the announcement of Jesus comes in the form of a brightened up sky. The poetic nature of this visit cannot be understated. These guys are lost, hopeless, full of despair, and desperate. Like many of us who fear like the dark is winning. And then verse 10, the angel speaks. The angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you, and this is it, this is the best part of it. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the reason we do not need to fear the dark. Whether the dark is out there, and we can light it up with a flashlight, but more preferably to understand the darkness in here and in here. The fear of the unknown, the shame of failure, the heart broken because of sorrow, the lie that death wins. We're faced with darkness on a regular basis. And it is into this darkness that Jesus' light is meant to shine, to bring hope. We may not see what's happening, but God does. We may think the world is uncontrollable in a tailspin of evil and (laughs) uncertainty. And I gotta tell you, it almost makes me kinda crazy when people use fear to manipulate others. But fear is a wonderfully manipulative emotion because we all fear it. We all fear the dark. And if, I, if somebody can get you to believe it's pretty dark, they can get you to fear the worst. Jesus intentionally called himself the light of the world because without him, it remains pretty dark in this world. And this is why Jesus gives us his peace, his love, his joy. In fact, Jesus said it himself. In this world, you will have tribulation. Insert the word darkness. In this world, you will have darkness. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You may still feel like it's pretty dark. I know some of you. I don't know others of you. Every one of us has different journeys. And I don't know what yours is going through, what it's like right now. But my guess is you've probably pretty experienced pretty dark times over this past year. Maybe you're looking at some right now. I want to encourage you by telling you, don't believe the lie that darkness wins. Because it never does. Not for those who follow Jesus Christ. Jesus can give us joy when we least expect it. Hope when we don't want or see it. And faith when ours is being challenged. That's why it's so important to keep Christ in Christmas. I mean, Santa's a good fella, don't get me wrong. I, I kind of like the guy. But Jesus is better. Jesus came to bring us peace with a God for all eternity. I love Matthew one twenty one. She will bear a son. Jesus, the angel's talking to, 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 to Joseph here. Talks about Mary and says, she will bear a son. You'll call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Can you imagine how difficult Joseph's life was? Mary comes to him with this story about, I I haven't known any man. I'm just pregnant right now. He, He had to enter into a pretty dark period at that point. He's probably been promised this girl and promised to have a, a, a lovely marriage their entire lives. And all of a sudden it gets really dark. And an angel appears to Joseph and says, no, I've got it all under control. You may think everything's in a tailspin. Trust me, everything's fine. There's light in the dark. You you could buy light from Best Buy or wherever this particular flashlight came from. But I would say the better light would be the light that Jesus brings to the darkness of our hearts. It is light for a soul and you can have it to rise above the darkness of this world every day. So in light of this, let me read to you the passage that I started with one more time. 
John 8, 12, from Jesus' own mouth. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You don't have to live in fear any longer. I mean, don't walk out into the alleyways of downtown Chicago, but don't fear the darkness this world offers because Jesus offers a better plan. He's in control. His grace and his love can give you hope in this dark world when you least expect it and when you most need it. And that's my prayer that we remember this truth, this Christmas season together. Light has come into our darkness. Let's pray. Father God, it is a a privilege to be able to share the truth of the birth of your son one more time. To be reminded that it wasn't because you're bored or you wanted to prove something to anybody, but it's because we were in desperate need. Without you, we are lost in the dark. But because of your great mercy, you gave us Jesus Christ, your only son, so that whoever believes in him should never perish, but have eternal life. And so, Father, I thank you for the light promised from the beginning of time, reiterated by Isaiah so well and spoken of at Jesus' birth at this point of time so we don't miss it because a lot of people kept sleeping the night that Jesus was born and never knew light had come. But Father, we do. And so I pray during this Christmas season that light would bring us hope and joy and peace all the fruit of the Spirit would fill our lives and that, Lord, we would live to a higher purpose, not being afraid of the dark any longer, but hopeful because you have overcome everything that we are fearful of. May you bless us as we live out the truths of this message and your birth this Christmas season, I pray in Jesus' name.